0: sports are such a big part of all of our lives from the big plays to the unforgettable games they continue to inspire us in unimaginable ways but what happens to the athletes the warriors and heroes of our time when the game is finally over and the sport they love and worked their entire lives pursuing greatness at continues on without them how do they cope with the transition how do they find purpose reclaim their identity and work towards a vision of the future. As a former professional athlete playing in the NFL for eight seasons, I know the unique challenges that these athletes face. On this podcast, these athletes will share their stories and how they navigate life beyond the game. What's up, everyone? Today's guest is Marcus smith the second. Uh, he has an incredible story and he overcame a lot of uh, anxiety and depression um, as a former first round pick to the Philadelphia Eagles. He shares about his story, um, you know, of struggling with the pressure and expectations that put on, um, you know, by playing in the NFL, not only playing in the NFL, but by being a first round draft pick. Um, his incredible story. Uh, our conversation. Um, kind of cuts in and out a little bit with uh, some internet issues Um, I apologize for that but if you can put up with that and really um, listen to his story and the message that he's trying to share um, it's really inspiring and really impactful and he's a great guy who uh, is doing doing great things in this world and uh, hope you really enjoy our conversation. All right, welcome, Marcus. I appreciate you coming on uh, the podcast, man. I-, I love what you're doing. Thanks, brother. So let's uh, let's start with a little bit about like who you are, a um, little background, um, and then kind of your journey, you know, into the NFL um, and and kind of how that all took place. I mean, I don't know much about your backstory, but go ahead and share with the listeners.
1: Well, uh, my name is Marcus Smith. Uh, I was a first round draft pick. In the 2014 NFL Draft, um, pretty much my whole life I played quarterback uh, ever since I was five, and um, I played quarterback all the way up until I got to college. Um, when I got to college, I played for Charlie Strong, who is—I'm uh, not sure if he's coaching right now, but he was with South Florida um, before, and uh, he came up to me and you know pretty much told me, "Hey." Uh, what you, what, or he pretty much asked me, "What do you think about playing defense?" And you know, I told him, "Whatever, whatever it takes to get on the field, you know, that's what I want to do." So we had a two-day practice that day, and he pretty much put me on defense. And the crazy thing about it, I never played defense before. I always played quarterback. That was the only position that I ever played in my my entire career, um, leading up till then. And the funny thing about it is, we had to play Kentucky uh two weeks later and I end up starting uh against Kentucky uh at outside linebacker, not you know, not never really playing a position, you know, just raw ability, raw talent. Didn't really know what I was doing. And uh <clears throat> yeah, that's how pretty much how that happened. I, I got benched after that game because obviously I said, you know, I didn't really understand what I was doing but coached the whole year. And then the end of the season, I got another opportunity and I took that opportunity and I ran with it. So I was playing linebacker at first. And then that spring, they switched me to Diva Zan, which, um, you know, I had to gain weight. So I ended up gaining like 35 pounds in like the uh, off season, 35, Mm. 40 pounds, never been that weight before. So it was, it was constant change for me. Um, At the time, I I was definitely going through uh, a lot of anxiety, uh, different depressed moments. Um, I was ready to quit. And, uh, you know, my coach pretty much, he's actually the D-line coach in Seattle now. You know, he pretty much told me to stick with it. And um, you know, told me that I was gonna be okay because I actually, I actually thought I wasn't that good at the position. You know, I had not really played the position. Being in the trenches with you know people like you is just it was just like not the norm for me. So I didn't you know That's I, I was playing really quarterback, huh? Man, it's a lot different. So it's you know, <laughs> I didn't really have like the physical like the toughness. You know, my coach had to kinda of like bring it out of me because I wasn't, you know, I was laid back. I wasn't the type to, you know, rah rah or just be so I you know, I had to start doing that and started using my athleticism and it kind of got me where I needed to be. Um so you know, pretty much my junior year can't click for me. Um and uh, you know, we we play Florida- in 2012, and and that's when I really started getting written up. Uh, Finished second in the nation in sacks uh, in 2014, and then um, you know after that I was drafted in the the first round, uh, the NFL draft, and it was just like so crazy, so fast, so bizarre. Like who would ever thought like that would have happened? And, you know, nobody in my family, I was like the first one in my family to make it that far. So it was like new, new for everybody. And, you know, I didn't know what to expect. You know, you hear different things, but I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how to, like, about the, you know, whole thing. You know, that, that was still on the surface, but, you know... You 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 never really pay attention to those things because you just deal with them. You you don't you don't, you didn't never really know that you know that was a thing. So, you know, that's that's pretty much how it got to to the NFL.
0: <laughs> Talk about that uh that's crazy journey that you went from playing quarterback in high school to all of a sudden, you know, becoming this this all-star defensive end, going second in the nation in the sacks and then getting drafted in the first round. Um, I remember you sharing about the journey um, of getting drafted and I don't think a lot of people um, especially fans understand what it what that journey is kind of like right. going from you know college and then having to train for the combine and then being under all that pressure to perform and then you're being like you're basically trying out for the NFL for all these teams and you get drafted and all of a sudden you're a first round pick and you have all this pressure expectations on you right. to you know, be the 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 savior of this team because you're like the guy coming in with this new juice. So talk about that journey and, and the difficulties and challenges that come with the pressure of being a first round pick
1: going into the NFL. Right. Yeah. So man, that that journey was it was it was a long process. Everybody usually tells you or if if you have a bet that that comes in They'll usually tell you, man. You know, your rookie year is probably be the longest year of your career. And I used to get get told that, but I didn't really realize what it meant until I actually um, kind of like went through everything. So then you you have you you get done with your season, and you have to go to the uh senior bowl. So I had to go to the senior bowl because teams, you know, I I had a 14 and a half sack season. So teams want to see if that's true. You know, I kind of came onto the scene a little bit late. So I had to go to that, had to play in that. And then after that, I had to go to the combine, which was a lot more uh just you know, dissecting you in in in, in crazy ways and asking you different questions. And you just making sure you're on point. It's it's a whole bunch of job interviews that you uh, you have to make sure you're on point for to, to be able to do what you've been wanting to do pretty much your whole life. And then afterwards, after that, you have your pro day. And then after your pro day, you have visit with teams. And then after you visit with teams, you have workouts for teams. And then the crazy thing about that year was, is that um, after the draft, you didn't have any time to spend with your family. So um, once I got drafted, uh, I really... Didn't really even have time to enjoy uh, me being drafted because I had to fly out for a press conference. And, you know, I had to answer a lot of questions about the Eagles fans. I was booed for getting drafted in the first round um, because the Eagles fans, nor, uh, you know, maybe some people in the office might not have wanted to pick me. But what happened was in that draft, it was that, you know, a lot of pass rushers went off the board early. I was... Slide, it's to be a second rounder. But since, uh, you know, Jadavia, Clowney, um, Khalil Mack, Ron J. D4, you know, all these guys in the draft process. So, pass rusher because of uh, Trent Cole, getting older at the time. But, you know, the fans didn't necessarily, you know, want me there. And it's kind of, it was kind of, I never really did it before because at Louisville, you know, pretty much everyone, all the fans loved you no matter if you was playing or you wasn't playing. So automatically I felt like I had to prove to the fans, like, that I belong. But for me, I think I put too much on that, it's put too much on my on myself instead of, you know proving myself right and really you know working on my craft and just making it about me you know I made it about uh you know who I was going up against and I felt like I was going up against the people that I was with and that's then that was just the that was just the whole process behind it and you know injuries came into play with my anxiety and my depression too as well um because you didn't have such a good rookie year, right? I didn't play my rookie year at all, really. I had no stats, really. Uh, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't do anything in my rookie year. I feel like, you know, I handicapped myself because of what people were saying, and I started to believe what people were saying. And um, I go into the offseason. My second year comes, and I'm ready to go. I feel like, you know, I have new juice. I have new, you know, everything. Uh, I come in, my coaches are very pleased with how I look, uh, and, you know, they feel like I'm ready to go too as well. So they're hype, and I'm hype, you know, because you, you get that one year under your belt, you kind of know what to expect now. You can kind of move in a different way, right? And so yep. um, I come in, and then I pop my hamstring just out of nowhere. just. Damn. All that hard work I put in, pop my hamstring and OTAs. And and everybody knows when you get a hamstring, you have to let it heal all the way before you could really pursue and get back out on the field again. But that wasn't my mindset. I was just trying to hurry up and get back on the field because I'm like, man, like, you know, my time is, is running thin. Like, I'm um, first rounder. Like, I have to do this. I have to do that. The fans already don't like me. What are the coaches going to say? So I put extra, extra pressure on myself. These are nights I couldn't sleep. I used to cry in my room all the time asking, like, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? Um, But those are, you know, some of the things that I dealt with, you know, coming into it. And and I dealt with those things every year. I I played with the Eagles for three years, but, um, you know, I dealt with those things every year when I was with the Eagles. And, and granted, you know, my third year ended up being my best. It, it wasn't the best in their eyes, but it, it was the best in my eyes because I had done way better than the, the prior years.
0: Hmm. And thanks for sharing that, man. I know there's a, a lot of pressure and anxiety and stress that, you know, most people, most fans don't understand what it takes to perform at such a high level, especially when you're drafted in the first round. I mean, there's so much expectations put on you and having to show up and then getting hurt is something that you can't really control. Right. Um, so continue on with your journey, man. So, so you played three years with the Eagles. What was, um, you know, what was the transition like out of sports and out of football and, and what kind of led to, um, to you kind of walking away from the game and, and what was that process like?
1: Oh, okay. Um man. So, uh, like I said, I played 3 years with the Eagles and uh the Eagles end up releasing me after my uh right before my 4th season. Um and then I ended up getting picked up by Seattle where my defensive line coach from college was. And uh you know, those things that we talked about before were still going on with me. Um I was pretty much still just hiding them. And, you know, I didn't really talk about it. Even when I met my wife, uh, when she was my girlfriend at the time, really didn't talk about it to her. She would notice different things with me. Um, you know, I would have anxiety attacks in my sleep and she, she'll she wake up or she'll tell me like, man, you did this in your sleep, you did this. And I'm like, you know, I just used to just brush that stuff off because it was normal, like, you know, I. You know, I have anxiety attacks all the time. I don't don't know what to do about that, right? And um, I got to Seattle my fourth year. Kid you not, I was in camp and I was ready to quit then. You know, I was ready to be done because, uh, you know, the pressure of just um, going into it, knowing that, you know, your career could be done if you get cut. Um, because I already been with you know the Eagles. I had my opportunity there. I felt like I had messed up that opportunity. So I was putting everything on. Because it's like, man, I, I have to further my career. And I wasn't looking mm-hmm. at it. I was looking at everybody else's career instead of just looking at my own. And, um, you know, that year, I was trying to quit and my wife, she just kept telling me, you know, you gotta stick it out, stick it out. You know, it's gonna be okay, it's gonna be fine. I ended up making the team, and, and I end up playing that year with Seattle. And I had a I had a uh you know here. Um, Um, and that's not to say that I didn't go through those things, but I still navigated through. To me, was still unhealthy. I was still. The next year comes. Seattle signs me to a, a one-year deal, basically approved the deal, and says, "Hey, like however you do this year is going to be you know determine whether you will further your career, blah blah blah." And again, now it's that another added pressure that you not necessarily not the team is not trying to put on you, but um, not not necessarily the team is trying to put on you, but. You know, you're putting it in on yourself because you want to really make it happen. You know, my wife is pregnant. I'm like, yo, like, this is my career. I'm going to go. And, you know, this whole depressed state. And because I can't go to sleep, I can't eat anything. I don't have any appetite to eat. So I can't really eat before practice. Now that it puts me in danger of not performing well on the practice field. And it puts me in harm's way of getting hurt because everybody knows that, you know, you have to stay hydrated. You have to eat well, um, in order to stay, you know, is what, how you need to be, you know, on the field. And it just, that just kept weighing on me, kept weighing on me and it kept weighing on me. And you know, I felt like I had a black cloud over my head that I couldn't couldn't get rid of. And you know, that's when you know I was in Seattle. That's when I decided to to try to take my life because I felt like I couldn't get rid of whatever had whatever it had over me. I just felt like it couldn't leave, you know. And and once I tried to take my life, I just tried to take twice. Uh, it scared me so bad to the point where that's when I decided. To walk away, I decided to go to camp. I went to him and um, I told him that you know, I couldn't do it right now. I needed to, you know, make sure that my wife, she was something. Of course, I just kept it on the surface with her. And, uh, you know, it was shocking to her too. And I didn't realize everything until I actually had to do something that could have it's my my wife and my Pete Carroll. He, he was the great man that he is. Everybody knows Coach Carroll is a great great coach. You know he he let me do what I needed to do. Walk over. It was with for a long time that I needed to just tend to with nothing else. You know I needed to focus on that and nothing else. And, man, I tell you, man, that that therapy session with Miss Priscilla in in Seattle, man, it it did me nothing but great because I I started to figure out who I was. I started to figure out why I was dealing with some of the things that I was dealing with. Um, And I I really got true insight um, just because, and she rarely even said anything. Like, I was the one doing all the talking. And I was just like, wow, like, I need to, I need to do this more. I need to do this more. And once my daughter was born, man, I kid you not, I hit my agent up and said, I'm ready to go back to play. And Mm. um, I end up signing with the Washington football team now, you know, but they were the Redskins back then. And I finished that season. So I was so, man, I was so proud of myself because it's like, man, I went through all that at the beginning of the year. But God allowed me to finish, you know, finish the year off strong. And that's kind of how, mm. <clears throat> you know, I walked away knowing that, hey, man, I could tell my I can tell my family that, hey, I finished. You know, I, I went back, you know, I played six years. Um, and I feel like that's an ultimate accomplishment for, you know, what I dealt with and what I went through. And um, man, I was really happy with myself for that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but man, I'm proud of you, dude. That's a, uh, that's quite the journey going from that and, and being you know honest enough with yourself to go seek out help. Which I think a lot of guys, especially you know young men that are that are in that kind of situation, especially in the NFL, they, they feel like it's something that is weak and they feel isolated and alone. And for you to to step up and and go you know take your make yourself a priority, but then go do the work and look at the stories and, and communicate with somebody about it and then being able to come back and, and finish out that season and finish out your career. I mean, that's, that's amazing, dude. And I'm, and I'm proud of you for sure. Um, what does the rest of your what is the rest of your career look like? And, and what was the, the real final thing for you, you know, finally walking away for good?
1: Man, so... So um, the Redskins actually signed me back that year... And it's 2020 now, 2019, so last year. And I ended up getting, I, basically, I got cut in camp. You know, I had been, the whole mental health aspect, I started to, uh, like, in the time that I wasn't um, playing when, you know, my daughter was born. So it was probably like a three to four month span where I wasn't playing because I didn't come back until, like, early December. So I I left in August, and my daughter was born in October. So right around that time, I started writing. I actually have a, a children's book coming out on my daughter's birthday, which is October second. Um, the pre will be out. It's called Bath Time with Ryan." It's just talking about just fatherhood with you know with your daughter and, and how pleasant and pleasing. It is. And that's the bonding time that I got to spend with her, you know, before I went back in and played. And then I and I have another book mm. that will be coming out about my story, um, just in general. And man, I, I wrote that when I was, you know, when I was healing,
0: mm.
1: trying to heal myself and you know, dealing and dabbling in real estate. And it was something that I really, really wanted to do. And I'm a very uh, family-oriented person. And, like, I can't fathom, like, me not being there with my, my daughter all the time. I, I really want to be present in her life so much so that uh, being an entrepreneur for me is, should be, you know, normal for me. And that was kind of my decision. It, it, that's what kind of led you know, to my decision, because it's like, you know, I had, you know, what brought me to this point. And me being a speaker, me talking about my story, me writing books and, and doing real estate is is something that, you know, I could do year in and year out. And so that's what I kind of like moved towards to And that that was pretty much like you know the reasoning behind why I started to do what I was doing.
0: Yeah, that's amazing, man! I can't wait to check out uh, check out the books, man. You you definitely have an incredible story. Um, talk about the the healing power of of writing, because you know I started writing three or four years ago, and it's really had a profound impact on my life and being able to process my stories and, and be able to, you know, heal some of the older stories that are holding me back and create a better vision for my life. So talk about, you know, the healing power of writing and in your, in your journey through that. Man,
1: the healing power of writing. I didn't even know I could write. You yeah, know, I tell people that all the time. Like, I wasn't a writer. Put the pen to paper. And I would I remember I would wake up probably like 4 30, o'clock in the morning and just come down to my basement in my little man cave and just just start writing. And, you know, my business manager at the time, he would help me. He would, you know, prompt me with questions. And, you know, he would just send send over stuff. And with some some of the questions, I would go for hours. And, you know, I would just be writing. And the, the power of it, it, was just like everything, all those thoughts that I had in my head from past, present, you know, even future stuff is just like a release. Even though I wasn't talking to my therapist at the time, it was still like I was talking to somebody because I was putting all of my thoughts on, on a piece of mm-hmm. paper. So um, when, I, when I, actually, when I finished when I actually finished the story, because I started from when I was a young kid and I went all the way until, you know, I had my episode with, you know, trying to commit suicide. Man, when I dropped that pen and I and I finished the story, man, I cried like a baby because I, mm-hmm. I hadn't like let any of that loose before, mm-hmm. like everything that I had seen, you know, with. You know, my father, and my mother getting divorced, and just how it impacted me in a different way when I was younger, and and just just different different things that have happened to you know me and my sister. You know, I have a sister too as well, and uh, it was just it was just a lot, and I was just so happy that I was able. It, it wasn't like tears of like oh man, but it was tears of joy because. Like, I had never completed anything like that in my life. And, yeah, I knew that once I was finished, that I was going to be able to impact somebody's life, whether it was one person, two people, five people. I know with this book that I will be able to impact many people, you know, that might have went on that same journey or, you know, are on the journey of trying to defeat anxiety and depression and trying to get over that. You know, but hopefully we'll be able to, you know, help them. And, and that's all I want to do, Joe. I just, you know, I just want to be be a servant and just kind of like bring everything to light because I don't, I, don't, I don't want, you know, guys like us, athletes like us to be, you know, in the public's eye, you see them making all this money and, you know, they're doing really well. But I know guys that yeah, that's what it looks like on the outside, but they're dying on the inside. So I I just, you know, if I could be that voice, that's that's what I want to do.
0: That's beautiful, man. And I really appreciate your vulnerability and you sharing your medicine, right? We all have our stories is the medicine for the world. If we're, you know, able to show up, do the work, heal ourselves and then share that journey. And it really does have an impact. What's the name of the book and when can we expect it to be released, man? I really am excited to read this thing
1: still like going back and forth with what I wanna call it. Um, but this 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 will be I'm I'm gonna say cause like the first of the year this this book will will come out. But I will definitely once I have a name and everything, I'll definitely get it to you because I think people are gonna read it. Hopefully, they will. Well, absolutely, man. I'm gonna read it
0: <laughs> and keep me posted, man. When it when it comes out, it all comes together. Um, I'll definitely promote it and let, let all the listeners know that or like where they can find it, and, and I'll definitely promote it to my community for sure. Um, do you miss man, football, man? Pretty. Do you miss Do you miss the journey? Do you miss playing? Do you miss I know you went through a lot of, of pressure going through your journey, what you just shared, but is there aspects of football that you miss? And, like, how, you know, if there is, how, did, how have you handled the transition, like, leaving that kind of old way of being behind? And, and what are some of the things that have helped you in the transition process? I do miss it.
1: I miss it a lot. Uh, but I think I just, I don't necessarily miss, the thing I miss most is being in the locker room. I know a lot of people say that but you you don't realize like when old veterans that come through and they say man I missed the locker room you don't realize that until you're actually out of the locker room and not you just miss that camaraderie with your teammates you know joking playing cuz those you know that's what keeps you going it's not the coaches it's not anybody else it's your teammates because you know me being an entrepreneur is not the easiest thing to do. And I know people, you know, most people that are entrepreneurs will say the same thing. And uh, I've been on a schedule, you know, somebody dictated my schedule pretty much, you know, 10 years. So I had to relearn ways um, to be efficient in what I was doing. Um, It might've been me procrastinating or me just not uh, you know, waking up when I needed to, or just not using my 24 hours like I needed to. So I had to like relearn how to be efficient with everything that I was doing. But what what helped me guide me through my process was my wife and me still going to therapy, me still being vulnerable with what was cause you know, it's a battle that we have to continue to fight each and every day. We can't just say, hey, uh, you know, this is over with because it's going to be times where you feel kind of low. There's going to be times where you're going to need somebody to, you know, be able to talk to or be able to lean on. And so that's why I made sure that I still continue to talk to my therapist and, and speak because she kind of helped me get over that hump and and you know start to build confidence in myself just the way that the same confidence I had when you know I was playing. Uh you know it was it was the same it was the same way. And you know my wife and, and my therapist pretty much they helped they really helped me get over that hump. That's why I, the thing that you're doing man, this man guys need that bad man. Mm. They they need it man. Cause I remember when I was in Seattle, I'm not gonna say any names but when I was in Seattle before I before I really decided to walk away and I had my little, I ain't gonna say little, it was big, but when I had my, you know, episode, I remember it was like three or four of us and we was talking about anxiety. And, yeah. you know, a lot of my, you know, a couple of my teammates was like, man, I deal with that every day, man. And I was telling them, I'm like, man, I don't know how y'all deal with that, bro, because I'm, I, that's when I really first started to, like, say stuff about, like, man, I can't even eat. Like, I can't. Like, me eating before practice is, like, non-existent. You know, so I, I don't even have an appetite to eat. And then if you ever remember, you know, another, you know, it's so crazy, another thing that anxiety, when you have, like, real bad anxiety, you tend to you have to use the bathroom like your stomach hurts, right?
0: Mm.
1: And if you mm. can remember, like before you go to practice, if you walk in the bathroom, all the bathroom stalls are taken. To the- Everybody's <laughs> in there. Oh yeah. So <laughs> so everybody is it like not. It's it's not one person. It's like when I really think about it, in hindsight. It's like, dang man, all my teammates were probably going through the same thing I was going through.
0: Uh, no doubt, no doubt, and that's why you sharing your story is going to be so impactful and powerful for these guys. What are what are what's some advice you would give to maybe somebody that's a year out, two years out, going through this transition, maybe feeling isolated? What was, what would be some advice, or maybe somebody that's still playing that that you know is approaching the end of their career? Um, some advice to help them in that in that transition process, uh, which is you know very challenging and difficult for most, if not all.
1: Uh, you know, my advice would be to, you know, right now, you know, figure out, you know, what other than football, because, you know, football can be, a lot of times when we're playing football, it's like, like that's the only thing that we're focused on. Um, Mm -hmm. But even then, I, I would say to like try to, Figure out other avenues that you are good at and that you want to pursue and try to get in those things. And also, um, if you don't have someone that you can confide into and that has been to lean on and say, hey, man, what, you know, how did you deal with this and this process? And how, or how did you, you know, having a mentor, having a therapist, whatever, you know, because some people with a therapist, you know, they automatically Thing. Like, I, I'm not crazy. I don't want to go in there. And so I always say, well, um, if it's not a therapist, just somebody that um, you could, you know, confine into and, and talk to about. All right. OK, this is the this is the next step. And this is what you know happens in this step. And this is how you can move forward in this. And um, I think that's just a great way. Just having, like us as leaders, I, I think you know, paying it forward is really just b- bringing people along that have you know been through that process and have somebody that you can talk to or or seek somebody that you can talk to, you know, about your next step. So um, I think that's the number one thing is to be vulnerable um, because. Uh, it's kind of hard for us to do. And, mm. you know, yeah, it's 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 a tough, it's a tough cause I, I definitely, if you met me a couple years ago, Joe, I, you wouldn't, you wouldn't never hear me speak like this. That's for sure.
0: Mm. Man, I'm so proud of you. And you're such a, such an inspiration and you're such a, an example of, you know, when you do show up and, and really express, You know how you're feeling in an open, honest, and vulnerable way. It's it's not only medicine for others, but it's medicine for ourselves, and it obviously heals us on a deeper level. Um, You know, last question for you, man, is is what's your what's your vision for the future um, for yourself individually? Like, what do you plan on, and what do you want to create if you could create anything?
1: Uh, Well, I think for me, like what we talked about uh, before, um, the whole mental values, and not only. You know, do sports, but uh, that mental part is just as important as the physical. And if you if your mental isn't there, then how can your physical do do really well? And so that's kind of what I want to create. I just want to create, you know, a safe space, uh, kind of like what what you're doing, Joe, um, just in the D.C. area, and um, really develop you know, young men into, into you know, great leaders and, and people that are, you know, mentally strong um, and to know who they are. And so I, I started a foundation called the Circle of M Foundation, and that's what it's based around. It's, it's based around mental health and, uh, you know, us in the stigma uh, in the community, you know, and in sports. And so that, that's kind of what, that's my vision and, and where I want to go because this is something that is true to me. This is something that happens to me. So I feel like I need to do all the research possible, all the things that, especially in this the world that we live in today. I think it's just, you know, what we're doing, Joe. I think it's, I think it's needed. I think, you know, people need uh, you know, mental health more than, than ever because of just the world in general and what's been going on. I'm just trying to get strong. I'm trying to get stronger with that. <laughs> mm, that's
0: beautiful, man. And if there's anything I can do, like we talked about earlier to support you on that journey, man, I'm, um, I have a heart of service. I know you have a heart of service and you know, it's guys like us that need to show up and be leaders and really help, um, you know, provide that value to the guys that are, are looking for direction on a, on a deeper level and, and looking to, to do this kind of work because it, it is really how we change the world, right. Is by showing up and changing the stories from within ourselves. Um, yeah. So, so go ahead and share with uh, with the listeners, what, where they can find you, um, you know, any social platforms or websites and, um, and what you've been working on and then, uh, yeah.
1: Okay, uh so my Instagram, you can find me. It's called Moneymark91, M-O-N-U-Y-M-A-R-C 91. And my Twitter account, um, Marcus Smith the Second. And that's pretty much uh all of my accounts. Um so that's pretty much uh where you can find me. I actually do a, a series on Instagram live. It's called men talking health. And I just, I have like a couple of guys, a um, couple of former teammates come on and talk about, you know, their different health issues and, you know, some some players that have played, some players that haven't played. And I do that on IG Live on every Monday and Friday.
0: I love it, man. Well, I'll definitely let the guys know when the book comes out as well. And um, I'll definitely tune into to those Instagram Lives, man. I appreciate you taking the time Uh, to have a conversation with me, man.
1: Man, I appreciate you having me on.
0: Yeah, thanks, brother. Thank you to Marcus for showing up, sharing your story, being so open and vulnerable. I apologize for the internet connection. If you stuck it out this long, I know you got a ton of value out of that episode. Um, you know, it's interesting to contrast between guys like Shamil If you listen to episode two or three, um, you know, as a journeyman trying to find his way and make it in the NFL, and then you got you know a guy like Marcus who was a first-round pick. Um, you know, there's so many different stories of guys that go through the transition process go through athletics, go and try to make it the professional level. Um, there's a lot of stress and anxiety that comes with that. And the transition out. it's not always easy. And that's why I'm creating a community exclusively for former male professional athletes to help in the transition process, to build community and support for one another outside of sports. If it's something that you're interested in. Check out theheartcollective.com that's spelled the H-A-R-T collective.com to learn more. We are now accepting applications Exclusively for former male professional athletes, and you have to be the right fit. You have to be somebody that is ready to work towards reaching your highest potential, and want to make a big impact in not only your own life but in the lives of others. You know, want to learn, desire to learn, desire to grow. Um, Really excited about building this community out and surrounding you know myself and building this community out so that we can all. Support each other and surround ourselves with like minded, high achieving, high performing guys that want to make a difference in their own lives and the world. Uh, once again, thanks for
1: listening and uh, talk to you next time. Peace.